Gracious God, open our hearts, our minds, and our souls to your word tonight. And though we may be weary ourselves in a long summer's day or a tough week, wake us with your word this evening in order that we can respond in appropriate ways. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I believe this is about the time of year in Ocean City, City, Maryland, that they have uh, the White Marlin uh, big fishing contest. And uh, if not this week, it certainly was last week. Um, at, at one point in time, Keith, you like this, a school teacher was in the lead um, from, uh, from Maryland. He may have, I'll just say I think he was. He a, won the big one. Yeah, I think, Ooh. yeah, so he did stay in the lead and won the, won the. I'll just say, I'll make this up. He was an English teacher. No, he wasn't really. <laughs> I was trying to make you feel good. Maybe you got that old man in the sea. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So reenacted. So anyway, but every time they have that, and every time I read something like Jonah here or Jonah again, uh, I think about when I was a little boy at Ocean City. My family one uh, evening we didn't go out fishing, but we were taking a fishing boat out for a two-hour cruise. That sounds like Gilligan's Island. Opening right? <laughs> uh, and so this particular night, uh, they were calling for storms and, and bad storms. You know, nowadays, I think, you know, 30 years later or so, 40, um, you know, they wouldn't have let us go. But back then, I guess uh, they did. Um, and, and so we we're leaving the inlet. We're going out into the ocean and, and you can see lightning and storm and the wind is picking up. And, and actually, other boats have turned around. They're coming back into the inlet and, and we continue to go out. And I can remember it like I was yesterday, even though I was probably only eight or nine years old. Um, I can remember my brother, my oldest brother, being, being concerned that the, the folks that seemed to be in charge were about his age, uh, 20 years old, give or take. And, and that, that was his perception, and at least that's the way I remember the story. Uh, but as these boats are coming back in and we're still going out, the storm is, is getting rougher and tougher, and the rain is beating down and wind's blowing. And we're like, why aren't we turning around? And so eventually, um, uh, the boat starts really rocking, and, and you know, we're all seasick. And I remember my sister-in-law, who, who was pregnant at the time, and she wasn't the only one sick, but I just remember she was pregnant. She goes to the, to the back of the boat, and she spews all over the lifeboats. She felt she was going over the edge, but it was actually, so now we wrecked. We can't even use the lifeboats because they're all messed up. Um, and then to make matters worse, the ship is rocking so far. And it's a pretty good sized you know, fishing boat, um, enough to do an evening cruise with, with guests. Uh, water's coming in the side, off the, off the side of the deck. And uh, I mean, you know, eventually uh, we finally do turn around and we start to head back into the inlet. And uh, the nightmare scenario was avoided. Uh, but it was harrowing nonetheless, and it's something that affected me to this day. I love boats and the idea of boats. Um, and I would like to live by water. I like to own a boat. So I say, hey, Keith, come get on my boat or take my boat out, and I'll wait from the dock. Uh, but it really has affected me to the point where I want no business in the ocean on a boat. You know, Melissa has taken our kids out on a fishing boat before, and, and I was like, there's no way I'm getting on that boat. But I'll never forget those those captains or whoever, you know, first mates on that boat, um, having plenty of opportunities to, to do the right thing and turn around and, and wait to the very last minute uh, to finally uh, do the right thing. Um, and, and in essence, that's um, 
that's our human nature. We share that with those, maybe they were young guys who were inexperienced. Uh, but in many cases, you and I know uh, the right thing to do, and we don't do it. We know the right thing not to do, and we do it anyway. And I mentioned this last week in my, in my in chapter one of Jonah. Um, yeah, that reminds me of the, that great apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter eight. He says that specifically. Um, Socrates and Aristotle, uh, they, they actually gave a name for that human condition, and they called it acrasia. Acrasia is not, it's basically not doing the right thing, even though you know it, based on one of two reasons. Either you're procrastinating, which we all do, uh, or you lack self-control, which at times we all, we all lack. But whatever the case may be, is there's often times that we know what we're supposed to do and we don't follow through. This book, Jonah, is about that at its essence, is this prophet Jonah um, has a job to do. He knows what he's supposed to do. It's an easy instruction from God. He doesn't get some complicated you know, email from the human resource department saying all the things, 12 steps that he's supposed to do to go do a job. It is simple. He is to go to Nineveh and tell them God's going to destroy them. Now, Nineveh is, is their arch enemy. Uh, it's, it's an Assyrian town. Assyrians were the ones that wiped out the northern kingdom. And so somebody like Jonah uh, wouldn't have wanted to go to Nineveh, uh, to say the least. And he certainly wouldn't want to go deliver that news. But it's an easy job description. And he knows it's from God. He's a prophet. That's his job. He hears things from God. He speaks from God. He, through prayer or through dreams or whatever ways he communicates with God, um, he has received this communication. It's an easy thing to comprehend. He knows what to do. He's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And in fact, in chapter 1, we learn he runs not just away, but completely opposite direction. He hops a boat and says he's not going to have anything to do with Nineveh. In fact, he's going to go have some fun um, at that Vegas-type city, um, Tarshish. And uh, that's, that's how we left Jonah last week. Um, so as the story goes, he ends up um, the captain of their boat in this storm, asked everybody on deck to pray. He remember that Jonah went down and went to sleep. That's the way he dealt with stress, I guess. Just give me, I'm just going to sleep it off. Hopefully the problem solved by the time I get up. The captain of the boat and everybody else in the boat other than Jonah, they don't follow Yahweh. They don't follow our God. Um, and the, the, the captain is asking them to pray. Jonah does not do it. He actually gets scolded. Like, what, what are you doing down here asleep? Long story short, he ends up through casting of lots. They figure out he's the issue. He admits it. And he says, just throw me overboard. Um, and then he's overboard. And we learn at the end of chapter one um, that as he goes into the water, he's swallowed up by this fish for three days and three nights. And then we receive our reading for tonight. And so um, Jonah continues to not follow through. Even after he survives the fall into the water, and miraculously he is swallowed up by a fish, miraculously he doesn't die in the fish's belly. He survives for three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. He's still not admitting that he's done anything wrong, and he's still not saying, 
repenting and saying, okay, Lord, let me out of this fish. I'll go to Nineveh. And I don't know what all he's been doing in the belly of the fish. We don't know what else was going on there, what better things he would have to do. But for three days and three nights, evidently, he still hasn't even prayed until we get to these verses of chapter 2. And it's after he was in uh, the belly for three days and three nights, he offers this prayer. Now this prayer um, comes at a point, finally, maybe he realizes three days in that there's nothing else to do but to pray. And besides, that's my job. And so if I'm going to spend my last days or all of my days in the belly of this fish, I might as well get back to work. You know, I'm joking halfway just like that, but, but maybe that's why he was pushed to pray. And so he finally does pray on this third day in the belly of the fish. It's a beautiful prayer in some ways. It's beautiful poetry. It's almost like a psalm in other ways. Um, the words are very good and very thoughtful. However, some of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's almost like it's a borrowed prayer. Because just for an example, he says, You had cast me into the depths in the heart of the seas. God didn't cast him into the sea. He did what? He jumped into the sea or asked him to throw him into the sea. Um, he says, um, and I've been driven away from your sight. Will I ever again, again get to look on your holy temple? God didn't drive him away. God asked him to do a job. He went running the other way. So it's kind of like a, he gets off to this start where it's like a little bit confusing. Like, what, what, what kind of prayer is this? But then he goes on and he, and he starts to do some remarkable things with his prayer, he starts to pray as if God has already saved him. And in many ways, God already has. As soon as he hits the water, he should be dead after you know however many hours or you know, the sharks could have gotten him. He talks about seaweed being around his neck. He could have been strangled. He could have just you know floated to the bottom and drowned. At, at, at best, he could have floated on top and lasted you know a few days without food and water, uh, depending on the weather. Um, but he's saved uh, by this fish. And so he starts to pray in the belly as if um, things have turned around, um, still not repenting and still not admitting any wrong, uh, but praying that as if God has already delivered him. And so, again, we start to see played out verse after verse that even though Jonah is not following through, God is continually, continuing to be patient with Jonah. Jonah could have just been wiped out one verse after another. Again, even here where he's praying confidently that he's being delivered, even as he is being saved from drowning or being eaten by sharks, uh, God is demonstrating that God is patient. We get a really beautiful verse here. In verse 7, this is still part of the prayer. My translation says, um, when, when my endurance was weakening, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. So he starts to talk about this journey of not following through, you know, starting to wear on his endurance. Sometimes it feels better not to follow through and to practice a lot of times when we procrastinate, we're taking a short-term victory over, you know, like 
hey, I'm going to eat that cake. I know I'm, I want to lose some pounds before whatever. And anyway, in the long term, though, it affects our health. And, and uh, so we start to feel this as not a surprise when my endurance was weakening. So especially when you're saying no to God. So something much more important than our diet and our health, physical health. This is spiritual. It's really starting to wear on them. It's weakening. This word, the Hebrew word that we translate into endurance is a very rich word um, that we translate here. And endurance can be translated in two other ways. And it has been translated in two other ways already in this story. Endurance here renders the same Hebrew word as life and, can you guess the other word? Death. Life and death. Endurance. And so this time in between, life and death, is going to take lots of endurance. And here being played out just in three days and three nights, we see that this endurance is weakening Jonah to the place where he's just finally crying out to God, and he remembered the Lord. Another interesting thing about this line, this is a beautiful line, when my endurance was weakening, life and death situation was weakening, I remembered the Lord. A lot of times when the word remembered is in the Old Testament, it's God is remembering us. So God remembered Jacob. God remembered, you know, fill in the blank. Um, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. And, 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 but now it's Jonah is remembering God, Yahweh, the Lord. And so it's a beautiful line. Um, but this endurance here, same word as life and death, this book is going to teeter. Jonah is going to teeter on life and death based on his decisions, based on his free will, based on the patience of God that's going to drag him up out of the depths and death of Shoal, uh, back to life again, to the, eventually the point where the Lord's going to speak to the fish, and the fish <laughs> vomits Jonah out onto the dry land. And, and, then, and then so Jonah gets a reprieve here. Um, he still, again, has not repented and has not, re the only thing he's done is remembered to pray, and he's remembered the Lord, and he's thanked God for deliverance. He still hasn't said, I'm sorry, God, let me go to Nineveh. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, he's just been put back on the dry land where he gets to exercise his free will once again. Um, and so, this series is called Jonah Follow Through. But maybe we should reconsider because this book and this story is not about Jonah. I mean, it is about Jonah. It bears his name. Uh, but maybe we should change the name. Maybe it should be God or Yahweh. Maybe the series shouldn't be Jonah Follow Through uh, because it's all about God. It's all about patience. And this is not about Jonah following through at all. He hadn't followed through on anything yet, except he eventually now has prayed and talked to God, which is his job. But he hasn't followed through. He's not turned to Nineveh yet two chapters in. We're halfway through the book. He has not stepped one foot towards Nineveh. But what we have seen is God seeing him through. So he hasn't followed through, but God is seeing him through. And so that's the good news for all of us. It's not, not just that God is patient, but God will see us through. 
even when we're not following through. And you know, how encouraging is that? I mean, I can give you a whole long list tonight of things that I haven't followed through on. You know, this week, let alone in my life. Um, but I, but knowing and being reminded in these two chapters that God sees us through. Because when we're not following through, it's hard on our bodies, minds, and souls, and the relationships around us. And we need endurance for that. And when we don't follow through, just like Jonah, our endurance weakens. And then so, you know, it's a snowball effect. And so whatever it is we're supposed to follow through on, yeah, that's not happening, but there's a lot of other things breaking down as well. And so that all just feeds on each other and just wears us down to the point where we're teetering between life and death, at least spiritually or emotionally, maybe even physically. So while we're waiting to follow through for whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing, God is seeing us through. You know, we know what we're supposed to do many times, and we don't do it. We know what we're not supposed to do, and we do it anyway. And, then, and that's when we get called into this human nature not wanting to follow through. The captains on that Ocean City ship that I was on, they knew what the right thing was to do. They weren't going to do it. Jonah knows what he's supposed to do. He's not doing it. He's still not doing it. The Apostle Paul knew what to do and what not to do. He just couldn't do it. couldn't stop doing it. We know. We know what we're supposed to do. It just takes us forever to follow through. Forever to follow through, especially on spiritual things and our relationship with Christ. We know what God wants us to do. God wants us to, to read our scriptures. God wants us to be in prayer. God wants us to serve our community in the name of Christ. God wants us to participate in worship and come to you know, take communion. God wants us to take access to all those means of grace. And in many cases and many times, those things become our last priorities as everything else takes their place and we wait to follow through. But thank God that God sees us through waiting patiently for us, for you and I, for the Apostle Paul, for Jonah, for me and for you. God sees us through and he's waiting for us to follow through. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're thankful that you do wait for us to follow through. And not only that, but you see us through. Lord, as our endurance weakens, help us to call out your name and to remember you. And pray not just that you will deliver you, deliver us, but thank you for that deliverance, even before it comes. As we exercise that confidence, as we know, comes from being children of God. We're thankful for this Jonah story that is not about Jonah as much as it is about us gathered here tonight. And the main characters aren't us who don't follow through, but it's you. It's Yahweh who sees us through. We give this to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Pause now to hear our closing song.